Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, January 29th. On today's episode, we get to part two of our game of buy, sell, and hold with some of the most interesting American male players heading into this 2021 season. Of course, joining me on part two of the podcast, as he did yesterday, you know him as the Pied Piper of the Daily Match Pick'em, writer of the weekly review preview series on our website, CrackedRackets.com, or maybe you know him as Tennis in Aloha on Twitter. I happen to know him as my friend Judson Wall. Judson, hello, my friend. How are you doing this Friday? Aloha, Gresky. Good to be back. Uh, long time no talk, <laughs> other than other than <laughs> yesterday. Uh, but I'm excited so, for part two. Maybe we'll we'll find some guys to to sell on today. You say long time no talk. I wonder each and every day how super producer Daniel Westoff continues to hear my voice. We're roommates. He edits all of the podcasts. He sees my face on video. I would hate me if I was him, and maybe he secretly does. Maybe he's just really good at hiding that, but no. Long time no talk, my friend. It is great to get you on the show back-to-back days. And again, for all of our listeners, they should expect to hear plenty of you throughout this 2021 season as we are so excited to have you as part of our Rackets team, but yeah, I'm down to do some selling today, although it's always fun to buy, right? And for the record, if you missed yesterday's podcast, we gave a little bit of an overview on where we are at in terms of American men's tennis buying, selling, or holding heading into 2021 overall, but of course, we talked about Marcos Giron, Riley Opelka, John Isner, Tommy Paul, and Michael Moe. If you missed that podcast, of course, you can find it on our website, crackrackets.com, or on the Mini Break Podcast feed wherever you listen to your episodes. Of course, the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in day out is because of the incredible support we get from all of you listeners from our patreon family and of course from our friends at midwest sports i say it all the time but seriously folks if you want the best gear at the best prices go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 you'll get 15 percent off your order free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding 75 dollars best of all a free can of wilson extra duty tennis balls and guess what folks you could be judson wall all the way out in hawaii midwest sports are still going to ship ship you whatever you need they will have again the best rackets the best strings the best shoes all at the best prices midwestsports.com that promo code is cr15 judson what racket are you rocking nowadays i feel like i don't know this detail yet about you and this will tell me all i need to know so what is the current racket give me your string tension tell our listeners a little bit about judson wall's tennis game oh um well i'm rocking this is the pressing question this is why they (laughs) came today yeah 
honestly, I couldn't tell you my string tension. Uh, I, I just bring it. <laughs> I just bring it to the guy and tell him how I play, and he just he just does it for me. Um, but I'm uh, I'm rocking the the same stick that Monty uses the the Wilson um, Wilson Pro Staff uh, the new the newest one they have. It it's a beautiful paint job that blue and and black paint job. I really like it. It has a lot of feel to it. Um, you know, I like to be able to control. I like I like, I prefer control over power when I'm playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what I rock. Uh, for the record, that did tell me everything I needed to know. Um, yeah. At least about your tennis game, I should say. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, no, for, look, while, for me, I mean, you know, I, I I play some good tennis, but uh, the pandemic has really, uh, you know, our courts shut down for a while out here, and uh, you know, I was going three, at least three times a week, and uh, once once they shut down, I I kind of started going again, but I really got off of of my routine, and uh, you know, I I haven't been playing nearly as much. So yeah, well, I need to get back into no, I mean, it. everyone knows Hawaii noted for its many, you know, it's a talent-rich island, uh, islands. So uh, everyone, now I'm sure you can find plenty of good hits in Hawaii. I'm sure there are people there who are playing tennis. And yeah, I mean, is, am I a little bit concerned that you don't know your string tension? Yes, that's a little <laughs> bit concerning. There's no denying that. When the first thing you laud about your racket is the color scheme, yes, that's yeah, a little bit yeah. concerning. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. Not Obviously, pretending to be a pro yeah. over here. Someday when we can get everyone back in person, we'll host our first ever Cracked Rackets Invitational and we'll play it out and we'll see who the king of Cracked Rackets is. Uh, Everyone's just waiting for the five-set semifinal between me and Dalton. In reality, I'm going to triple bagel Dalton and he knows that, but he's just afraid to admit it. Anyways, um, that is some video planning, I suppose, down the road for our listeners. But here today, they wanted to hear about the American men heading into the 2021 season. So with that in mind, let's continue our conversation plan our game of buy sell hold with some of these american men and let's get into it all right the player i want to start with today judson is a guy who more than anything else is still on the men from injury now you look at where he is at in the ranking currently we all know this is not a reflection of his level of play jack sock number 257 in the world heading into this season now you look at what he has done since the start of the 2020 season he's 12 and 6 in matches since then has an Indian Wells challenger final under his belt some really impressive wins in that event of course that came at the start of March and was right before the season got canceled he beat Ugo Umber, Dennis Kudla and Brandon Nakashima uh, before just really looking gassed more than anything else and losing 4 and 4 to Steve Johnson in the final now it was a second round loss for him against Adrian Manorino at the U.S. Open, but it was a 5-7-7-6 in the third victory for him in the first round. He also came through qualifying and earned a straight set first round win over Riley Opelka in Roland Garros before losing to Dominic Team in the second round there in straight sets. You know, played the carry challenger to end the year, was fine. You know, lost to Gunaswar in 7-6 in the third, but was a phenomenal first victory for him. Really high-level match against Bjorn for Tangelo. And, you know, we saw him play world team tennis as well, where he and his team, I believe, ended up winning the title, if memory serves me correct. I think New York ended up winning him, Coco Golf, that team. Yeah, they definitely did. Anyways, Jack Sock 
coming back from injury more than anything else, and you look for Sock during the 2019 season, he was 0-4 in tour-level matches, 6-2, and uh, excuse me, 0-3 in challenger matches, so 0-7 overall, but was so injured during that 2019 season. He finally looked healthy on the court in 2020, so with that in mind, I know we talked about maybe selling some guys today, but all signs seem to be pointing on uh, upwards for Jack Sock. You buying, you selling, you holding, Judson. Yeah, you know, uh, Jack, at his ranking, at his current ranking, he's ranked 258. His career high, of course, is eight. Uh, he played in the Tour Finals. What year was that, 2017? Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was somewhere. the year he won in Paris, right? So 2017. Yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, you know, so obviously he has much more potential than where he's currently ranked and where he's currently ranked is is a reflection of injuries mostly uh so you know i think you'd get a lot of people that would see some value in buying jack at his ranking for me i'm gonna go away from that model i'm, I'm gonna sell jack and you know a couple reasons why um yes does he have the talent to increase that ranking significantly he does Obviously, he does. He's he's a better player than 258 in the world. Does he have Does he have that work ethic? Does he have the desire? Does he have the time? Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's not old, but he is 20. He'll be turning 29 this year. And um, you know, uh, how long does he want to toil around in the challengers? How many wild cards is he going to be getting? You know, at tour level, he might get a few. Uh, he's still a name, but uh, he's going to have to do the mo- most of his work getting that ranking back up down in the challengers. How long does he want to do that? He's married now. He just got married over the, the pandemic. Who knows if there are children in the future? And, uh, you know, I mean, who knows if there are any injuries uh, in the future that he'll have to deal with as well. And I just wonder if he has that work ethic, that mentality to grind through it and get back up uh, to the top of the singles game. And I think he could, I don't know that he would, uh, but he, he's an excellent doubles player, one of the best in the world. And perhaps, you know, that's another thing that I look at in whether I buy, sell, or hold. Uh, Mr. Sock is that, you know, if, if he doesn't make it work in the next year or so, year and a half maybe, he might look at that doubles route, um, you know, if he wants to continue in professional tennis. And so for me, uh, you know, yes, he's better than 258. Uh, but I don't, I, I predict that he's not really going to complete that return to the top of the game. Um, and, uh, you know, he only, uh, he, he made, he, he accumulated about 200 points last year in, in 2020 that he'll have to defend this year if he wants to maintain his ranking. He'll have to, of course, you know, uh, win more than that to, to increase his ranking. And to do that again, he's, he's going to have to go to the Houston's, the Tiburon's, the, the carry challengers of the world and, uh, and grind it out. And I just don't know that he will. What do you think? That's a really good point. And I hadn't thought about it from that perspective because with his ranking sans a wild card, 
he's not going to get into a lot of these events. And I don't – what is – does he have a protected ranking right now? That's unclear to me if he's able to use his protected ranking. I don't know if he is if he had to play Roland Garros qualifying, right? You would think if he had a protected ranking, he probably gets in to that Roland Garros main draw. But yeah, that's, that's a really a- good point because – what does Jack Sock want to do? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, it, it, uh, the protected ranking question is a good one. Uh, I, I, and I would agree with you. I think he should have one. I don't think he's, you know, they're, I don't know the exact rules. They're allowed a certain amount of, of events to enter on their protected ranking, which, you know, is their, basically their average ranking for the last year that they were uh, active, you know, before the injury. Um, and so, you know, he should have one and they can use that a certain amount of times. I don't know the exact amount. I wouldn't think that he has used them all yet because it's quite a few. It's like nine or something. Uh, I could be totally off on that, but it's something like that. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't get into Roland Garros. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the protective ranking, but you're, you're definitely right. If he can't use the protective ranking, I mean, he's not going to get a wild card into a lot of the international events. He will get some wild cards into U.S. events, particularly particularly the 250s, you know, the Atlantas and all that. But how many of those are going to happen this year? Uh, and, you know, whenever he doesn't get into one, is he going to want to go through qualifying? Is he, wanna go, is he going to want to go through the challenger route? Yeah. Again, these are all very, very good questions uh, as you look – uh, at uh, Jack Sock. And I do think, though, the thing that jumped out to me in particular during the World Team Tennis season, and then I think it translated throughout the rest of his 2020 results, how fit he seemed to look, particularly after the restart in August. And look, I know he only played what? Let's see, I'm doing some math here five plus four, so nine matches after the restart in August. But the guy did seem to have lost. 10, 15 pounds, and you still think, okay, he's probably five pounds away from his ideal playing weight, but he was moving really well around the court, and the first serve for him, uh, it it landed all season long. You look for him in terms of his averages during the season at the challenger level. He was winning 74% of his first serves at the ATP level. He was winning about 70% of his first serves. He had gotten that first serve in uh, percentage right back up to about 60%, which is where he needed to be his Second serves were landing in the box as well. You look at what he was able to do with his return of serve, seemed to really stabilize that first serve return and then played really aggressive on the second serve. I think he was winning about 53% of his second serve points, which I know was against some challenger level matches, but uh, that's pretty good if you are Jack Sock. I just thought... He just looked comfortable on the court. He was able to move around the ball and hit through the forehand. He looked a little bit more comfortable swinging through the backhand as well, certainly more decisive on that wing uh, than he looked early in his career. And I mean, I know he was 9-21 in 2018, and that year was really a disaster post-Paris and post-him making that World Tour Finals and then never really able to regain his form in 2019 due to injuries, but... The talent is always so evident. It only takes 30 seconds of watching Jack Sock to remember, oh yeah, that serve, that forehand, he's going to win as many ATP matches as he wants during his career. (sighs) Is he playing in Australia? I don't think he is. Is he? No, he doesn't have the ranking to get. You had to be... Yeah, so if he... The the cutoff for qualies was in the 240s, I believe. 
Which is the, so that's the issue, which indicates again that he doesn't have a protected ranking, and just the ability to jump into the top 100. That's going to be really difficult for guys because of how protected so many of these players are going to be this season. But the talent is still there. Like if Jack Sock ends the season outside the top 150, that would really surprise me. And so for that reason, just given where he's at in the rankings, I would buy. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I agree he's been, uh, you know, last year after the restart, really even before the restart, he had that nice run at the Indian Wells Challenger. He either won it or made the final. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's certainly looking better. Um, And, yeah, I I totally agree. You can see the... uh, You can see the talent there as soon as you watch him. I just wonder, you know... If it's going to happen for him, just simple as that. Um, I mean, the talent's there, but it takes it takes drive, it takes work, and it takes luck and time. And you know, I don't know if all those things are going to happen for him. Where do you see him? What do you see his uh, from this date forward? His career high ranking being not uh, from this date forward. His high ranking being it, through the rest of his career. You're saying yeah. what is the highest yeah. he gets back up to? Top 50. Yeah, that would be... Well, I think that would be a great great success for him. Yeah, the thing is, like, I know he hasn't been the greatest on clay. Or, you know, it, it's not as clear-cut for him on clay as it is on hard courts. But you look for him in his career. Jack Sock in clay court matches. He's 71 and 41. You want to make that even more specific for how he is in clay court matches at the ATP level. He's 33 and 24. So, like, I think he's pretty good on yeah, clay. Yeah, good. That serve, and it gives him time to set up the forehand. He has maybe the best first step. I'm not saying he's the best mover, but in terms of the power and the speed he produces with that first step, I mean, it is a powerful first step. No one's going to look at Jack Sock. You may say you wish he lost a few pounds, but he's not a bad mover uh, through natural ability. I just, I believe in Jack Sock, and this, that that serve in that forehand is so good, right? We know what it looks like when he wins, and you can't say that about every player on tour. Like, yeah, some players on tour win, but the pathway to victory is always a little bit murky. It's not for Jack Sock. And so I think he gets back up to the top 40. I There are so many good young guys, and then, of course, you have the lingering generation above him as well of players who have just shown more consistency but I think Jack Sock gets back to the top 40 at some point in his career in singles at a minimum. And I think once he gets back there, he stays there for a while. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you there that if he gets back there, he has the talent to stay. I just wonder if he if he does get back. I hope he does. Uh, I, just, I don't think you can win a Paris Masters event, make an ATP Tour Finals, be how old is Jack Sock right now, 27 years old, 28, 28 years old. So. Oh, sneaky. I thought he was like still 26, 27, 20. So he turns 29 this year. He's probably made about 5 to $10 million in his career, maybe more. I'm talking about just prize money. Um, no, I, I feel good. I think he spends at least two more full seasons in the top 50. Yeah, well, that's I, – I don't think so. I don't think so. And so um, if I gave you over – if I gave you over under one and a half, are you taking the over or the under? Uh, one and a half years in the top 50? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm, ta- I'm taking the under. Um, you know, I think – but it's hard to say. I, I think I think 
for Jack, sort of that 75 range, maybe maybe 100 range is the make or break. You know, if he gets up above that, I think I think you're right. He will spend a little bit of of time at the back end of his career, you know, up in the ATP ranks again, up in the top 50, 60 again. He'll spend a couple years. But if he doesn't make that, if he, if he never gets back to that level, you know, he could be done in the next year or two uh, on the singles Who's, score at least. It- who spends more time in the top 100 throughout the rest of their career? Two guys who have, you know, played in a junior slam final against one another were the defining players of their generation. Dennis Kudla and Jack Sock. Who spends more time in the top 100 for the rest of their career? Yeah, and they're this, they're about the same age. Um, well, I guess they would be if they played junior. I think, yeah, but I think they're both 92s. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, w- I would bet Sock on that. Uh, you know, Kudla has to grind for everything uh he's one of the better challenger players i mean that's pretty clear every time he steps onto a court at least a hard court um you know he's he's a threat to win that challenger that he's in but or a grass court yeah or grass court he's good on grass as well uh but not not clay so he has to stay away from the clay um and uh but kudla has that game to succeed at challengers but he's a prototypical guy that that is so solid in challengers, but as soon as he takes a step up, you can see the lack of weapons. Uh, so it's hard for him to maintain any time in the top 100 because to be in the top 100, you have to win a few matches at tour level um, to stay there. And <clears throat> so, I mean, I don't know that I see Kudla is currently ranked 116. I think he'll pop in and out of the top 100 a couple more times, but I don't see Kudla really spending a whole lot of time in the top 100 the rest of his career wouldn't surprise me if he didn't get back to be totally honest with you although i think he might uh but could could this game's just a little bit more malleable right he can do a couple of different things the thing with jack sock is when the serve and the forehand are landing he's just going to overpower you and he plays on his terms in every match and that top gear has obviously been good enough for him to be a top 10 player in the world and You've just seen that before. For Kudla, we've seen streaks of excellence and, yeah, quarterfinal, semifinal results week after week after week. But especially with, again, the point protections in the ATP rankings, it's really tough to get into the top 100 if you're not putting big results at the 250 level, the 500 level, or just winning a couple of matches there. And Jack Sock is more likely to win a couple of matches at a random Masters event that Dennis Kudla probably is, right? Yeah. And so that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with all of that. So uh, to your question, I, I would pick Sock to spend more time in the top 100 from here out, uh, just for the simple fact that I don't know that Kudla, even, although he's only 16 spots out, I mean, it's it that, that jumping from about 120 to the top 100 is a huge ranking jump for those guys. The guys at 120 have about 400 ranking points. To get into the top 100, you need about 600 or more right now with the ranking system. Uh, you need maybe about 650, 700, something like that. So, like, I mean, he's only like halfway there, even though he's only 15 spots out. Um, and to get to make that last remaining climb, uh, you know, you you like you said, you do need a couple results at the challenge or at the ATP level, or you need to go on a run and win a couple challengers in a row, two or three challengers in a row, you know? And so Kudla for me is right about where his natural ranking is. I, I see him at right about a 100 to 130 type guy. 
Sock, of course, is a top 100 guy if he's all in it, if he's all healthy, you know, and uh, if he's playing week in, week out. I would put Kudla as a 75 to 125 guy in that in the right week, the grass portion of the year, he's going to be a top 100 player just because the wins might pile up for a few weeks. But then, yeah, the clay portion is not going to be the right part of the year. And so he may drop off a little bit. But yeah, to your point, I, I agree with everything there. We got a double thing in. We're cautiously, I suppose, holding, although I'd buy on Jack Sock because he's under-ranked Kudla, uh, to your point, right around where he should be. And by the way, who ends the season ranked higher or in the top 100, Kudla or Sock? Both things we will talk about at the end of this podcast. Let's go to our next guy now. Another guy coming back from injury. Of course, he's still so young as well, so you wonder, has he even hit his ceiling as a tennis player? Of course, I'm talking about the current 190 uh, player, number 194 in the world, 25 years old, has a career high of number 57 in the ATP rankings. Of course, I'm talking about Mackie McDonald, and the interesting thing for Mackenzie McDonald, two challenger titles in his career, Judson, both of them uh, came back in 2018 and 2017 respectively did make the Dallas Challenger final in 2019 but of course injuries playing ATP events uh, means he has not made a final since then now you look at Mackey and what he's done over his last couple or excuse me his last 52 weeks Mackey McDonald 15 and 14 uh, of course the most notable results for him he qualified for the Western and Southern Open lost a five-set battle to Casper Root first round of the U.S. Open did get a first round win at Roland Garros did make a quarterfinal in Istanbul by the way he had to play qualies at that Istanbul challenger crazy for Mackie McDonald the guy who's made the fourth round of Grand Slam now playing qualies once again at a challenger level event of course he is a guy I believe who still has a protected ranking and so I think we are going to see him in Australia you can correct me if I'm wrong there Judson now you look for Mackie lost to Sam Query earlier uh, this year to start his season in Delray Beach and you look at his tour level numbers so far in his career 23 and 38 in ATP level matches that's not great but of course he is still 25 years old so my question for you Mackie McDonald he's healthy again heading into this 2021 season Judson you buying you selling you holding for Mackie uh at his current ranking I think you gotta buy uh he's at one he's at 194 and, you know, obviously he's better than that. He's another guy. You know, I feel like we sort of are a broken record uh, in this regard. But, you know, injuries are a part of the game and they take their toll. It's on these guys to get back on the court, do the work necessary to get back. Mackie's tough, a tough worker. Um, I mean, you can see that. He's a hard worker. He is going to put in the hard yards to uh, to get the most out of his body that – that it will allow. And uh, I think it will allow him to get back up into that top 100. Uh, You know, so for me, that's a buy when you're at 194 and I'm pretty sure he's going to, in the next year, get back in the top 100. For me, that's a buy. Now, if he were at 60, you know, his career ranking, career high ranking is at 57 or some, or, or thereabouts. Uh, If he's there and you're asking me, I don't think he's a buy for me. He's at at best a hold. I don't see Mackie as a guy that will spend a significant amount of time being seated at Grand Slams. 
uh, you know, so being in the top 30 to top 35 area, uh, that could be his, his peak. If he, you know, at some point in his career, he could get up to around that 35 mark. That's kind of the, the high water mark I see for Mackey, but, uh, but yeah, for me, you know, where he's at right now, he's 194. I think he, he'll improve that. And you know, he's only 25, he'll, although he'll be 26, um, you know, this spring. But I remember in 2019, uh, he and, and Riley Opelka were ranked right around each other to begin 2019. They were each ranked maybe around 110 or something like that. And they played in this all the same tournaments. Uh, you know, they, they played in the Dallas challenger that Mackie won, I think, or, or made the final. Uh, and then they, they started playing some qualifying and, uh, you know, some, uh, maybe got some wild cards into some tour events and they each rose in the rankings and they were roommates at the time. I think, you know, they each rose in the rankings just simultaneously. they each went from 110 to 90, from 90 to 75 from 75 up up to fit the mid 50s and going into the clay season i remember in 2019 they were each at their career highs in the mid 50s i think in fact they were like 56 57 opelka 56 mackie 57 or something like that so he was rising right up there just stride for stride with opelka which of course we know opelka has kept on going into the 30s um but that's when mackie got that injury i think uh do you recall what the injury was it was maybe his hamstring Pretty sure the or... hamstring yeah. came off of his body which yeah. is just horrifying yeah and i i know it was in qualifying at uh barcelona the, the atp 500 there in barcelona during clay season and i know he finished his match actually and then went and played doubles and and then I, he may not have been able to finish doubles but he was playing with opelka and doubles and um and then yeah the next day found out and had surgery and you know was out for several months and uh now his ranking is down i think he dropped into the mid 200s for a little while he's gotten it back up into the top 200 and yeah i mean i think he <clears throat> barring barring more injuries can keep that ranking rising I, he has the talent he has the work ethic and uh, you know motivation um so i see him in the top 100 this time next year so for me he's a buy much like we talked about with Tommy Paul yesterday, Mackenzie McDonald's one of those guys. Hand him a football, hand him a basketball, hand him any sort of any sort of athletic accomplishment that you want him to achieve, and he'll do it. Uh, he just, I mean, simply put, he passes the eye test with flying colors. He's probably him and Ray Sarmiento are the closest thing in the world to the Roger Federer, just the serve, the forehand, the way they take that ball early, the contact. I mean, it's just so beautiful, right? The way Mackie McDonald, I, I mean, certainly one of the quickest players uh, you will see in the men's game and his ability to cut off angles early, take the balls early and on the rise and then get to the net behind him. His ability to hit that forehand drop volley might be, again, as pretty of a shot as you're going to find in men's tennis. But again, you look for Mackie, you know, that number, th- 23 and 38 in ATP level matches, it's concerning. And, like, 
he's just it's a little one dimensional and that's you know the one dimension is so fun to watch and I do think he has defensive skills and he can play on the run but when I say one dimensional I mean his ball is just so flat right I mean he is able to drive a ball through a court but in terms of the spin production in terms of translating his game on a clay court and I'm curious to see what his clay court splits here and I'm looking them up now as we're talking but you know for Mackie McDonald it's just you know, uh, all right, I have it here. In his career, he's six and fourteen on clay. That's just that's not going to get the job done. And like, you do worry for him. I think he won like thirty nine percent of his return points in total last year. That's just not very good. And he is a guy who's five foot eleven, six foot maybe. Uh, and it's just like he can get. You know, that size can be an issue. That second serve does float on him from time to time. And as quick as he is, uh, a lot of his pace is generated by, you know, absorbing the pace of his opponent and redirecting it. And that's a lot harder to do on a clay court. So I agree with you. 194 is far too low of a ranking for Mackie McDonald. His, just his athleticism, his shot-making abilities on a hard court. He's a top 100 guy. But in terms of... The complete skill set. I mean, Mackie McDonald's only outside of the top 100 because he got injured. So if the premise is he's a top 100 guy, I'm holding there. I don't know if I'm willing to buy any more on Mackie McDonald's because I agree. I just I don't know how he gets further than a top 50 player short of, I guess, just staying in really good health and having that streak of confidence that we've seen from him right in like the Dimitrov first or the match he played in Australia or the Rayonich loss at Wimbledon, the Chilich loss in Australia the following year. He's played some really good matches. Uh, it's just, I guess, if all of those started breaking his direction, maybe that gets him to the top 50. Yeah, I agree. Um, I uh, I don't see Mackie with the skill set, the body size. More importantly, I think you know the just the weapons. I don't see him consistently getting those those top wins, those top twenty wins that you need to make it, you know, high up into the men's game. And uh, yeah, so totally agree. I don't if 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 he were sitting at his career high ranking right now, fifty seven, like I said. He'd be a hold or a sell for me. Um, you know, he's uh, he, he plays a lot like uh, Sun Quan or Quan Sun Wu, um, you know, mm-hmm. who is currently, you know, maybe right around 80th in the rankings or something like that. And, you know, both of those guys, they just, they're really quick around the court. Like you said, they redirect shots, um, get through the court, but they uh each of them are going to struggle on on the clay and each of them no matter what surface but particularly on the clay are going to struggle consistently they might knock off a top 20 player every now and then but they're going to struggle consistently doing it and you know when you're playing tour ball week in week out you're going to be playing top 20 guys every week almost you know and uh so i mackie doesn't have mackie's just not that you know, I hate to be blunt about it. I don't think he's that good to do that. He is good enough to be a few of those guys and, you know, guys ranked 50 to a 100. So yes, I think Mackie's a top 100 player when healthy and he'll spend some, you know, fair amount of time in the top 100. I have a question for you though. Always in for a good question. Lay it on me. All right. So yesterday we talked about Mackie, Mackie won the NCAA title, didn't he? singles correct yeah swept singles and doubles that yeah year. yeah he won at ucla singles and doubles so he's an ncaa champion 
a fellow we talked about yesterday on here, Marcus Garone, he also won NCAA singles. I don't know about doubles. Um, Did not. Okay. He won NCAA singles. He's an NCAA champ from UCLA as well. They're both kind of undersized guys. They're both UCLA Bruins. They're both uh, national champs. And uh, Garone right now is near or at a career high of 73. Mackey's career high is 57. Who do you think out of those two guys is going to end up having the, the highest career ranking? It's a very good question, and I know I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but just to dive into some other stories. So, again, I, I, this is not news to any of you listeners. Carousel, someone I consider a friend at this point, even though I think we've met in person once. We've spoken far too many times over the phone uh, to consider it anything else at this point. But I would ask him because I'm an incredible nerd, and I'm like, dude, on your team, Mackie McDonald, Marco Skirone, just tell me about the practice sessions. And he said, and if you talk to Caruso, he goes, dude, everyone knew Marcos was really good, but you would watch Mackie McDonald and you would just sit on the sideline and Caruso tells the story. And I think he told it on a podcast where he would just go, Mackie, you're the best tennis player I've ever seen. He would just go, Mackie, the things you can do on a tennis court are just incredible. Like, I just don't get it. How can you move to that forehand and hit that forehand on the run six feet behind the baseline, cross court with spin? It's just like you see shots and can execute it that no one else even sees. Or you execute the shots that no one else even sees. And it's just he does have it's an immeasurable quality, but he does have that ability to produce the amazing that only the best of the best shot makers in tennis do. And I love Marcos Giron. I think he's a workhorse. I do think he does move the ball around the court so well. I think his ball's a little bit more dynamic than the one Mackie McDonald hits. But again, Mackie's just got it. And I know that you can't measure it. It's an unquantifiable thing. But when you are have lived in the tennis community around tennis players as much as I have, you can just identify that it quality. Like I, I think on the women's side, a good comp is Danielle Collins. Like she doesn't play the prettiest game, but she just has it. Like some people just know how to win. Or CeCe Bellis is another one where you just watch CeCe Bellis enough and you're just like, yeah, that person knows how to comport themselves in a tennis match and put themselves in a position to win that match. And I'm not saying Marcos Giron doesn't have that, but not to the degree that Mackie McDonald does. Mackie just has it. And so, A, I think the 57 ranking that Mackie has right now, probably a little bit higher than ever than Marcos ever gets but I do think Mackie gets back into the top 50 at some point because I know I mentioned the one-dimensional aspect, but it's a really fun dimension. So I just believe in his athleticism. I'm a big believer in Mackie McDonald. Yeah, that's some uh, that's some great insight uh, from Carew there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I agree. When you're watching Mackie, you know, particularly, let's say, somebody that doesn't watch a lot of tennis and they see Mackie on the court versus, you know, let's say like a a Jan Leonard Struff or, or, you know, some, some big serving, you know, just athletic mofo, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, for somebody that doesn't watch tennis regularly, they're going to be like, well, how is this, you know, how's this little guy that doesn't seem to do anything special, you know, how's he going to win this match? And I, you know, I kind of think that sometimes when I watch Mackie, like, man, I I don't see much. I mean, he does a lot of things well. You know, how's he? How's he racking up these ATP wins like this? You know, and when it, whenever he's healthy and going well. 
And uh, I guess that's it, you know, uh, that's a, some awesome insight. It's hard to quantify it, but when you got it, you got it. You, you know, it's just that one or 2% adjustment that you make that, that your opponent doesn't make. Um, a guy that plays like that, especially on, on the clay courts that I watch sometimes is Pablo Andujar. He doesn't, he doesn't do a whole lot that just wows you, but I, I've caught him a couple times where he's just really been on and, and it clicked in my brain. Okay. That's what he does really well. You know, he's also kind of a, not a small guy, but he's not six, three, six, four with a bunch of weapons, you know? Um, yeah. but he's won like four ATP titles and, uh, you know, how, but if you really, so, you know, really pay attention and watch him, he makes that little adjustment, you know, that his opponent's not making. He, you know, he gets to one or 2% more balls and, you know, that, makes a huge difference the margins make a huge difference at the pro game at the pro level you know no i i also think and this will be the last thing on mackie i promise then we'll move on okay. he has a quality about him that the harder his opponent hits the better mackie mcdonald plays if you are a power player like again the the dimitrov match in australia is the one that jumps out to me the most because he saw dimitrov shot making he saw dimitrov taking balls early and down the line and he was like oh we're doing that in this match perfect that's exactly what i want to do and i think he went something like 42 of like 65 or something insane in that match at the net did mackie mcdonald because he is not afraid to move forward. He's like, oh, you think you're a shot maker? Watch what I can do. And sometimes that gets him into trouble. Uh, and again, sometimes the ball does sit a little bit flat on him. Sometimes that second serve hangs up. But he's just, to, to quote Dickie V, he's a PTP, baby. He's a primetime performer. I want, if again, roll the balls out, give you Mackie McDonald. We'll see what happens from there. Uh, but... No, again, he is someone, and I'm curious to think to see if you think he is someone who can regain the top 100, uh, regain entry into the top 100 at the end of this season. We'll get there at the end. Last two deep dive breakdowns here, and this is a guy I have talked about quite a bit, so I want to give you the floor here, uh, and then I'll respond briefly at the end. Francis Tiafo. Uh, a guy who, by every metric, has been trending up, right? He won a Futures title on clay at the end of last season. He's finally getting himself comfortably back inside the top 100. He's number 62 right now in the live rankings. You look for Tiafo. How has he performed over his last 52 weeks? Francis Tiafo is a guy who has been really rock solid. You look overall, and you, this includes the Delray numbers, but I believe he's something like 21-12 and 12 over his last 52 weeks. Again, he's got some wins over over guys like Musetti, he beat Kasmanovic, he made that fourth round of the U.S. Open beating Fucevic before losing to Medvedev. Uh, he's a guy who brought in, I believe, Wayne Ferreira to his coaching staff. Is it Wayne Ferreira? I yeah. think it's Wayne Ferreira. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you can, you know, again, the results are bearing fruit of the of the benefits of that partnership. So my question to you, are you seeing that as well? Francis Tiafo, number 62 right now, you buying, selling, or holding? I love watching me some foe. Who doesn't? Uh, you know, he's such a – he's – such a fun watch um completely entertaining you know one of those guys that if he's on the order of play you want to you want to give it a watch um you know for me he's at 62 uh i do think he he will improve on that ranking but i don't ever see tfo 
becoming an elite player. And for me, if I'm where he's at right now or where he's going to be at in the next couple months, you know, I think he'll get back up in the top 50 pretty soon. He's playing some good ball. For me to be a good buy, he's got to make that next step. He's already shown that he can play day in, day out, tour level ball. But he's got to show that he can be, he can make that next step into, you know, the top 25, top 20 level be a contender there kind of like where where you know like a um an alex de Menor is right now that's his next step does he ever make it there does he make it there anytime soon i don't know about that so for me i'm holding him i'm not buying him doesn't mean i don't love him uh, if anyone has listened to this podcast they would be able to call me a hypocrite if i didn't say bye i'm a believer i think the longer the match the better it is for francis tiafo three out of five sets i think it's a format he will thrive in obviously the forehand is what it is it's something he continues to improve on and Look, he knows you're serving to the forehand at this point, so he's ready for that ball. I just think his first serve continues to potentially join the ranks of the elite. Uh, I'm buying. I think the results we've seen are for a reason. I think where he's at in the rankings, number 60, what do we say, two or three, uh, that is... That is strike zone, right? That's exactly where you want to be. He can plan out his schedule pretty comfortably in advance, and I just think he's going to be able to hold on to that position because we saw so many three-set losses for him early in his career. Then we saw a big breakthrough. Then we saw a setback. Now I think we're going to see a more steady progression for him until he becomes the top 30 guy. Maybe not top 10, but top 30 guy I think he can be uh, throughout his career. Yeah, you know, I, I, I really like the, the coaching choice in Ferreira. Uh, you know, a guy that played a lot at the net in his day. And uh, TFO has that athleticism. He has amazing touch. I love TFO's touch. And, you know, so he has the toolbox to be a really effective all-court player. He already is. Um, but it, Ferreira might be that perfect guy to tap into that uh, potential even more so. And... Yeah, I think that can take him to the next level. That along with, you know, the kind of the knock on Francis is sort of his professionalism when he was a little younger, you know, Um, maybe joking around a little bit too much, uh, you know, playing video games or whatever instead of practicing with his boys, you know, with Opelka and all them. Um, And, uh, you know, Ferrer is another guy. I, I heard an interesting tidbit the other day from Ferreira uh, talking about with TFO, one thing he's really trying to do is he, he is working on that professionalism for Francis. He knows that that's one of the things Francis knows it's one of his potential downfalls. Right. Um, so one thing that they're working on is he's trying, uh, is trying to take away a bunch of Francis's screen time, <laughs> you know, he's sort of parenting him. Um, so, what I mean by that, what he was saying in the interview is that, you know, Francis loves to be on social media. You know, he loves to be on the phone talking to his friends. He's a very social guy. Uh, that cuts into his time as a professional oftentimes, or it has in the past. And so what they've talked about is no social media, no, no phone, no cell phone whatsoever, you know, two hours before a match or whatever. And then, and this is the hard one for Francis that, that they've been working on. More importantly, no screen time, no cell phone during recovery, after practices, after matches. You know, so when Francis is sitting there getting his legs rubbed on, uh, you know, get getting getting treatment from the physio. 
after a match. You know, oftentimes those guys will be on their cell phones, you know, on social media or whatever. Not for Francis right now. Not for not for TFO as per you know Wayne Ferreira's instruction. And that's just another step in toward being a total professional. When we are doing uh, when we're doing recovery, we're doing recovery. We're not doing social media. We're doing recovery kind of thing. And I think that's really going to help. That's to me, that's just one of the missing kind of the missing boxes for, for TFO and Ferreira is trying to check it. And I think that's, that's great to see. So I do see TFO, uh, bouncing back. He's already begun to bounce back with his results, but, and I, I see him getting back up, you know, into seating range at, uh, slams, you know, uh, upper twenties, low thirties kind of thing. But I do wonder if his just natural ability stops him from getting any higher than that. Yeah, I I mean, again, I just you see the athletic profile, I know what he is capable of. I see the first serve. It's a weapon. I see the creativity, the feel he has around the court. Does he play with the food a little bit longer than I would like before just putting the match away? Yeah, sometimes he does do that. But I'm still a believer in Francis Tiafo. I, I that that he can be not just a top fifty player and you know stay inside the top one hundred as he is right now, but ascend even further. But I think you made all really good points. Again, a lot of it is on his shoulders, so we will see what he does during this twenty twenty one season. Let's go rapid fire here now down right. the home stretch with a couple of players. And again, if you just want to give me one to two sentence takes uh, on each of them, that works for me. We talked Sounds in good. part one about guys like Korda, Nakashima, Brooksby. Those are all obvious buys. Let's go through some of the other American players, notably we have not mentioned yet. Rap- Westoff, give me a rapid fire sound effect. All right, let's start with the veterans, Judson. Let's look. We talked about Kudla. Just quickly, Sam Query, buy, sell, hold. Query's got to be a sell. I think I agree with you there, Sam Query. A sell. You look where he's at in the rankings currently, number 51. Feels a little bit high for the 33-year-old. All right, Steve Johnson, 31 years old, number 75 in the rankings. Buy, sell, hold. Johnson, I'm going to hold for now. Uh, I mean, at where he's at, where he's at. I think he'll stick around pretty close to the top 100. I think he's done being a top 50 player. Spoiler alert: He was my litmus test for deciding if you were a top 100 American, a top 100 American or not. If I thought you were slightly better than him, I had you ranked in the top 100 right now. If I thought uh, you weren't going to be able to do so, you were outside the top 100. I agree; it's probably a slight hold, leaning towards sell. But hopefully, we get a little bit longer of Stevie Johnson at the top of the men's game. Tennis Sandgren by sell hold. Uh, Sandgren, Sandgren. So here's the deal with Sandgren. I, you know, he's, he's still young enough. I'm going to, I'm going to hold him. No, I'm going to sell him because he consistently picks up large ranking chunks from Grand Slams. And I just don't know that he can keep that going right now. He has a semifinal. Wasn't it a semi? No, a quarterfinal at, at the Australian Open and a round of 16 at Wimbledon on his ranking right now. Do you think he's going to defend either of those? I don't think so. Um, That's tough. Not saying that he won't do anything, but I I don't think he's going to defend those. Um, So for me, Sandgren is 
in the fifties right now. I think he'll end the year in the eighties or or thereabouts, which is about where his natural ranking is, in my opinion. How old do you think Tennis Sandgren is right now? Uh, I have his age written down, but I haven't looked at it. I would say he is 27. 29 years old. I oh. think he turns 30 this year. Wow. I think you're right. I think he stays top 75. I think we play him, uh, see him play a steady diet of 250 level, 500 events, play the qualifying, hopefully get in on his ranking. Two Masters, of course. He will get into Grand Slams during this season. He's a hold uh, for me, but a, an interesting player certainly as well. Again, we're going now through some of the odds. Yeah, going through some of the odd spots here. Yeah. Uh, Max Cressy, currently number 170 in the world. Buy, sell, hold. He's such an interesting prospect. Um, I mean, anybody that watched his match in the U.S. Open against Tsitsipas uh, that hadn't seen him before, or if you just see him on a on a challenger stream, plays challengers week in, week out pretty much, He's a big guy. He's like 6'6", humongous serve, one of the biggest serves in the men's game. Uh, and that's including guys like Zverev. Now, he's just a massive server. He's a serving volleyer. So that really, for me, in today's game, limits his potential, limits his upside. His ground strokes are can be horrendous. <laughs> um, so, so for me, he's a whole... Until he, you know, until he does something besides pure serve and volley. <sighs> yeah. 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 But he's a yeah. young guy. You know, he's he's like twenty three, um, and God, he's athletic, and his serve is just humongous. His forehand's humongous. He doesn't uh, put it in a lot though, and you know, he just really really relies on that serve and volley so he's excellent on the fast courts terrible on the slow courts yeah that's a pretty good synopsis I, I I agree on Max Cressy when when he learns how to hit a backhand we can have this conversation yeah uh, in further depth I think hold around 170 and you know things went so well for him to start last season so we'll see um all right Kruger for Tangelo. That duo feels like they're intertwined. They are. Uh, one of them, Kruger, 192 for Tangelo right now, I believe. Uh, number uh, two, do, 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 259. Uh, buy, sell, hold. Yeah, for Tangelo's had injury issues. Uh, he was ranked above Kruger. Uh, you know, for Tangelo, likes to spend a lot of time about 100 to 120. Kruger likes to spend a lot of time from about 140 to 180 or 140 to 200. I think Fratangelo is a bit more talented, uh, but Kruger's been maybe a bit more consistent. Uh, each guy starting to get up there. They're, they're not old, but they're they're a sand grenade. I think they're each 28, 27, something like that. Um, I think that those are two guys that their time is not their time is starting to run out. Um, I, I I think they'll each be out of the game in three years. I'm going to sell them. Interesting. Interesting. I am going to hold on them because I just, that those are my guys. I've, I've invested too much emotional energy in both <laughs> of them making the top 100 at this point for them not to. So I'm going to hold, but I completely see your case. Uh, again, super rapid fire here. Now guys who are still at the challenger or ITF level, just straight buy, sell, hold. Svida, man, Zach Svida. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell him. 
Uh, you're wrong. I'm buying <laughs> Ulysses Blanche. Buy, sell, hold. I'm going. I'm going to sell him also. <sighs> you're just a hater. I'm all in. <laughs> Give me the buy here. Oliver Crawford. Buy, sell, hold. <clears throat> Uh, Crawford, I'll hold. I think he'll just. I think he'll be a challenger guy, though. I don't think he'll go higher. I say buy because I think he gets to the challenger ranks and sticks there, heading into twenty twenty one. But if you're telling me buy as a top one hundred, no, I'm not ready to do that. Martin Dam, buy, sell, hold. He's a big buy. <clears throat> buy, buy, buy. Um, he's seven. Uh, you, he's you. You disagree? I don't. I just, I just. I need to see more. Yeah, I need, I need to, to see, see more. more. Now he's the he's the prospect on my entire list of thirty, thirty five guys or whatever that I know the least about, because of course he's so young. He's seventeen, but he uh, was junior world number two. He's already won an ITF on clay, an ITF twenty five k, not not even the lowest ITF, and uh, so he's been an elite junior. He's already won at the ITF level. I did see a few minutes of him play in a challenger late last year, and he did not look very good, but he's 17. Uh, he's he's a big guy. I think he's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he has a, the potential for a big serve. I think he has a lot of potential. So for me, where he's at, you know, he's ranked like 900. He's 17. He's that big, that athletic. I'm going to buy big time. They're just – streaks of red lickiness that I don't love out of Martin Dam. Um, that being said, he is very, very young, so I'm holding. I'm just not buying yet. Uh, again, rapid fire here. Brandon Holt. Holt, I'm, I'll buy. I'll buy. He's. I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. I'll buy a little bit as well. Zane Khan. I'm buying. Uh, love, <clears throat> love Zane. He, uh, he, I enjoy his game too much. Yeah, he really impressed in Challengers late last year. Very good. He has a bright future. No, I, I agree with you there. Chris Eubanks. Eubanks, I'm selling on Chris. You know, I've followed his career for a while. Huge serve. Not a whole lot else, although he was playing pretty good in the Challengers late last year. But I don't think he'll ever be a top 100 player, and that's his benchmark. I don't think he's ever going to make it, so he's a sell for me. I think you nailed that one perfectly. Ty Kwiatkowski. I love Kwiatkowski. He's one, also one of my favorite players to follow. I'm going to hold on him. Boy, you see the potential. He, he, great athleticism. Uh, won a national championship with Virginia. Not a Wait, he did win the singles, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Um, but he's he's already like 26, 27, and he's still ranked in the 200s. Uh, I think he could be a, a, around a 100 type guy. I don't know if he's going to be a top 100, but I'll, I'll hold on him. I take offense to you saying he's already 26 or 27. He and I both 95ers, so he's one of my I he, him and I were the same college recruiting class. He was number 1 on the list. I was not number 1 <laughs> on the list. Uh and so yes, a, a guy I follow closely. Look, you can't hit serves 145 miles per hour and then slice as many forehands as he does. I would say that to his face, so I don't mind saying it. Now, he's too talented to be outside the top 150. That man with his athleticism, with the springiness. I mean, he's blessed with one of those rubber shoulders, right, where you're just yeah. like, how do you do that? Um, he belongs in the top 150, the, so I'm slightly buying. The first time I ever watched him, I was I was like, oh, this guy's going to be top 50. Uh, but, you know, yeah. he just hasn't uh, – it hasn't materialized. But we'll see. He's still, he still has time. You're yeah. right. He is 25. He's, a, he's younger than I remember. So he still has a little bit of time. I Another thing I would say to this face, he's too smart for his own good. Yeah. Um, but that is, 
Yeah, that's a that's a story for another time. Anyways, uh, another UVA who JC Aragoni three hundred in the world buy sell hold. Oh, I gotta I gotta sell on Aragoni. I like his story. He's uh he's diabetic, I think, correct? And mm-hmm. uh, he 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 became diabetic whenever he had a um an allergic reaction to some food and he had system failure or something. And, uh, you know, that happened right before college or something like that. And then he goes on to win a title or Virginia, a team title, uh, love his story, but I don't see him having enough weapons to, you know, make it out of the challengers ever. So I'm going to, I'm going to sell him. Yeah. I, I would hold, I just, he's such a great athlete. And, I mean, the ball can explode off of his racket, but it's a little bit streaky at times. And so uh, it's certainly, again, we're rooting for him for sure. Because he had a great result week one, I'm going to throw him in here too. Christian Harrison. Boy, I mean, you gotta you got to probably buy on him uh, considering how excellent. I mean, he looked excellent at the ATP level. Uh, could really hang with those guys. Now, it wasn't the... It wasn't a uh, you know a typical ATP draw, so I'm not saying he's ATP level you know quite yet, but he's certainly challenger level. He went into the week in the 800s, ranked in the 800s, left the week ranked in the 300s. Um, so he's a he's got to be a buy. I think that's a fair case. Ryan Harrison. Uh, Ryan, I got to sell. I got to sell. He's it's fair. Yeah, he's uh no. Okay, there's balance in the force. Yeah. We'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. No, I like it. That's good. Um, all right. Last three for you. Stefan Kozlov. Buy, sell, hold. He's a curious case as well. Um, I'm going to – I'll hold. I'll hold on him. He's, he has the talent. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that – I don't know that he has, uh, you know, all the tools to, to make it out of the challengers. I'll hold, though. Ernesto Escobedo, buy, sell, hold. I'll hold on him. I know we talked a couple minutes about him the other day, um, but I'll hold on him. Those, it, It's all tough ones as well. I said 2021 is my last season of being all aboard the Kozlov bandwagon. If it doesn't happen this year, I'm out. Escobedo's a tough one. Last one for you, Noah Rubin. Rubin, I got to sell. Um, I love his podcast. I like what he's doing. You know, he catches a lot of flack. Uh, because he's, you know, his podcast is opinionated. Uh, but I think what he's doing is great. You know, a great. He's he's a great guy for tennis. But I feel that his off-court uh, enterprises perhaps uh, interfere with his on-court performance sometimes. And then also, you know, he just he he's that guy that he has a bunch of talent, but he doesn't have the frame to make it in, in big league tennis, I don't think. Do I make the joke? Yeah, because I'd make it to his face. You know what they say, when the ATP is not working, create your own tour. Um, <laughs> but, no, look, I love Noah. I, I Again, I say I would make that joke to his face. I would make that joke to his face because I get him fortunate enough to have the chance to speak with him every so often. <sighs> It's what does he want? Yeah. It's what does Noah Rubin want? Because, I mean, the guy is going to – his game, the success he had early in his career was his ability to scrap and claw his way out of so many you know, tough predicaments. Uh, and it takes a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in yourself to be able to do that. And I do think his serve continues to get better. 
book, he, puberty, you know, it's just like, I was going to say, puberty's not, there's no second puberty. Like, he is, his physical profile is what it is. And when you have the skill set that he does, it's 100% commitment-based. How much time are you willing to put into it? How many tournaments are you mm-hmm. willing to play per year? No, Ruben's got a lot of things going for him. I'm going to hold... But it's a it's a tenuous hold. Yeah, it's a his, tenuous. His, hold. his career high is one twenty five. Do you think he ever gets back to that? He's <sighs> he's about so. two fifty. It's tough. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I really do. But no, it's tough. I, but anyways, with that, oh sorry, go ahead. Oh well, yeah, I I agree. Let me. Uh, I I got. I have two quick fire ones for you. Do it. Okay, you're the college guy. You've been doing all the college broadcasts all the ita indoors i uh, have a couple true. on my business card it says alex gruskin college guy college guy you just you just wear the yeah. the college shirt all the time i, I i'm assuming but anyway <laughs> yeah, i mean i have i have pro circuit wrist cuffs but yes i do wear the college all right shirt from so time to time. so mr college guy who do you who's your and i know actually i know who the answer is going to be other than will bloomberg <laughs> other than will bloomberg who was the player of the year last year in ncaa uh college men's college who's your favorite college player out of well you can pick anybody but the guys that come to my mind are kovacevic or whatever however you say kovacevic yeah kovacevic brandon holt i i used to love sam riffis and i thought he was going to be the guy uh but he's been in a funk uh mcnally keegan smith kingsley who do you who do you like so Blumberg's off the table because you everyone knows I'm a fan. Um, and Blumberg's challenger ready. So the guys currently in college you're asking me about, right? Yeah. The guys who, who do are you currently... like? Who do you like best? Who do you like to go furthest that's currently in college other so, than Blumberg? So Daniel Kukerman is another guy. You can drop him into the challenger level right now and he'll be just fine. Okay, but because American. Just physically he's ready he's to not... go. Of the Americans. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Of the Americans. That's a good we're, point. We're on the Americans. So that's true. I forgot what podcast I was on. You, that <laughs> happens from time to time. Um, you got me thinking college now, so I'm in my own world. Yeah. Um, as we were talking, Steve Denton, head coach at Texas A&M, former Grand Slam champion, called me, and I'm like, oh, I got to call him back. Um, yeah, do you like that name drop? By the way, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. I actually watched. Time. I've watched Steve Denton play on my history. You know, my classic tennis watch. I yeah. He won. I think he won. Cincinnati one year or he at least made the final and I watched that match so I've, I've seen him play one time he's quietly the best coach in all of college tennis not like coach I mean coaching wise he's very good but in terms of playing resume it's he's like the best and it's not particularly yeah yeah he was close. a top 10 um, he was a top 10 player yes okay I've obfuscated enough I've obfuscated enough of the Americans I would go Keegan Smith one just because you can't teach that power yeah and like Physically, he can move as well for his size, and he just doesn't seem – I mean, he is committed, but he's just not that focused yet on being a professional tennis player. I think he really is enjoying himself as a college student, which all power to him. He's earned that right. But just the physical profile, the gifts he has, he will make a jump. I think he could be a top 200 guy. I agree. Cannon Kingsley, a freaking stud. I mean, the guy just, he has it. Like, again, the decisiveness, the serve, the forehand. He will be a successful pro. But I who's agree. your guy? The, the Riffis developments are concerning. Yeah. I don't, I like what Fenty can do at, at some times. Other times, I hate what he can do. The guy who goes the farthest that's not named Will, I'll give as Keegan Smith because his ceiling is the highest. 
That's a good pick. But in terms of sure things, in terms of sure things, I'd go. I mean, he's not American, but I'd go Will, and then Cookerman would be the other sure. Yeah. Thing. Okay. And then uh, real quick, you named off some of the juniors: uh, Martin Dom. Uh, what is it, Zach? What what's Khan's first name? Svida, the Svida man. Well, Zach Svida, but what what's Khan's first name? Oh, Zane. Zane. Zane Khan. Uh, Toby Kodad, Emilio Nava. Who's your favorite junior? You know, we started this podcast a couple days ago talking about America's past. Let's finish it talking about America's future. Uh, I mean, it's the Spider Man. I think I've made my corner in the Spider Man. Right, first right. of all, it's Nakashima. First of all, it's Nakashima or Cordra. Yeah, That's yeah, the real answer yeah. to that question. Yeah. Um, but the it's juniors. the Spider Man. I just, I love it. I yeah. love all what right. the Spider Man is able to do. All right. Who's yours? Dam, I imagine. Yeah, I like or Dam, Dam or oh. Dom, um, Dom and Khan. But if I had to pick one that that has the highest ceiling, although it's very early days, but Martin Dom, just because of the frame, the potential serve that he, he'll possess, you know. So I, he's got. No. I got to go with him. He was number two in the world, no. junior. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that's a good pick as well. well. With that in mind, let's make some picks for the future. Let's give a couple of predictions to end today's podcast. Let's start with how many Americans you think end the year in the top 100. And some context for our listeners, here are the numbers since 2015. In 2015, there were five Americans in the top 100. In 2016, there were seven. 2017, seven. 2018, nine. 2019, 10. Last season, there were eight. Or I should say this season, last season or i guess in 2020 there were eight so last season there were eight there we go final number to start the year inside the top 100 this year there are nine inside the top 100 to start the year in 2022 judson how many players will be in the top 100 Oh, 2022. I did this for, for this year. <laughs> well, at the end i should say at the end of this season to start okay next okay yeah so, yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah same deal right same on deal. yeah yeah, so at the end of this year to start next season, at the end of 2021, I think we will add one to two members to the top 100. So we'll get in the double digits. We'll have 10 to 11. Um, of course, right now we have nine, but actually right this minute we have 10 because Sebastian Corda won today and will make his top 100 debut. Uh, he's currently 99 in the live rankings and can't drop below that. So we right now have 10. I think Corda will will continue to raise his ranking. I think Sam guys like Sam Query will just hold on. I think Query could end the year in the 80s or 90s, something like that. Same with Stevie Sangren, maybe in like the 70s, 80s, you know. Uh, I think Garone will, will hang in there around what his ranking is now. Uh, so so we have oh, – let me give you my – let me give you my predictions in order. Okay. Well, we'll hold that thought because okay. so I, I do want to hear them in 10. order. My answer is 10, perhaps 11 if Brandon Nakashima can sneak in. I think he'll end this year right at that top 100 point. So here are the nine we have right now. Isner, Fritz, Opelka, Sandgren, Query, Paul, Tiafo, Giron, and Johnson. Corda, as you mentioned, makes 10. Let's start with the guys who I think are going to stay in the top 100. I don't think John Isner's fallen out this season, particularly with rankings point protections. I don't think Fritz has fallen out. I don't think Opelka's fallen out. I don't think Tennis Sandgren's falling out. I don't think Tommy Paul's falling out. I don't think Francis Tiafo's falling out. Those are my locks. Now, there are some of the guys on the border. Query, Giron, 
Johnson. I think that all three of them do end up in the top 100, as you mentioned. It's going to be close, but you give them the benefit of the doubt, so right away, you're back at your nine. And now it's, do you think anyone's going to add? Well, as you mentioned, Sebastian Corda, that's 10. I think Brandon Nakashima, as you mentioned, if he can get into, you know, win enough slam qualifying, he's going to have success at the challenger level if that's what he has to play. He still has the ability to add points to his resume given he, you know, he played a full season last year, but it's not going to be the full season to the extent that this season is. I think he's got enough points available out there for him that he can get to the top 100. So now we're at 11. I talked about Dennis Kudla earlier. I think he's a guy who's right on the border. So that's 12. J.J. Wolf, 128 in the world. Everyone was so excited about him for the hardcore seasons last year. That would be 13. And then, you know, guys like Michael Moe and Mackie McDonald, Jack Sock, who we talked about throughout the course of today. I think those are my 16. You got your star-spangled banner glasses on, my friend. (laughs) No, no. What I'm saying is those are the 16 guys in the mix. Ah, yeah. I would agree completely. Yeah. Now, I don't think there are enough points available for Jack Sock to make the jump from whatever he is right now, 257, back to the top 100. So he's out for me. I Ditto, I think Mackey's got the points available to him, but I think it's going to be tough. And then I think there's always one of those guys. I think one of Query, Giron, and Johnson ends up dropping out. So I'm going to go with 13. That's my number. I think we end with 13 in the top 10, and that is an optimist. Or, excuse me, 12. 12. I think we end with... Ah! No, I'm going to go with 13. I'm going to stick with that guy. I'm going to say we end with 13 in the top 100, but you're right. That definitely does feel a bit on the optimistic side, and with that in mind, I asked you for your top 10 Americans to end this 2021 season and start 2022. Let's go together. We'll go from uh, top to bottom. Perfect. Who is your number one American to end the 2020 season? It's going to be Riley Opelka. And his, we agree there, and I think we made the case yesterday. Yeah, well, the big thing for me is he's at uh, – he's ranked 40th right now. He's 16 spots behind John Isner. John Isner has 600 points coming off here in a couple weeks. Well, in a, a couple months in Miami. That right there will drop him into the 40s, I think, um, if he doesn't defend you know, his Miami final. And uh, the big thing for Opelka is he does. He's at he's ranked 40th right now. He did not have a Grand Slam win last year. He does not have a Grand Slam win on his ranking profile. So he can do nothing but but raise his ranking profile in the slams, which I think he will. Absolutely agree with you there. He's my number one guy as well. All right, number two, I have Taylor Fritz. Who do you have? Taylor Fritz. Yep. Uh, And the you know I think Fritz will stay pretty baseline to where he's at right now but i think he not that he will jump isner or opelka jumping isner for that matter i think that just john you know he's going to going to gradually decline in the rankings he's getting older and the main thing there you know 600 out of his 12 or 1300 points is tied up in that miami final that's coming off in march Mm -hmm. no it's and that is why John Isner is number three on my list. Same here. Where do you have? Same here. Oh, I love it. All right, number four for me, and I think this is where we're going to start to disagree. I have Francis Tiafa. Yeah, I have I have both five, but I have Tommy Paul just ahead at four. 
so I have Tommy Paul just behind Tiafo at number five. And by the way, I think all of these guys end the season as top 50, maybe even top 40 players. Uh, so similar top fives. Now the fun begins. Number six, who do you have? So number six, I have uh, I have Marcus, Marcus Garon. Okay, I have him in my top 10, but he doesn't come until a little bit later. I have Sebi Korda. I just see the amount Korda of events was, he's going to be able to play, particularly, particularly in the top 250. I just think that's the guy who's the jump, and it's a very obvious pick right now. It's a little bandwagony, but I'm going to go ahead and make it. Korda's my number six guy. Number seven, I have Tennis Sandgren. I Curious have, where you have him. I have Sandgren at seven as well. Uh, you know, he's dropping points, nice points from the, the Aussie Open and Wimbledon. So he will have to win a little bit this year to maintain his ranking. Really even to maintain top 100 ranking. But I think he will. I mean, he, he has game. Um, but I don't I don't think he will keep it where it's at. I think he will, he will come down in the rankings just a little. Maybe end... 2021 this season at in the 60s or high 70s is where I kind of see very much agree with you there uh all right number eight for me is Marcos Giron so who do you have at eight number eight for me is Sebastian Corda so we all right you cheated right you saw my list no 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 <laughs> so well because yeah. I sent I sent my list to Roe beforehand and I told her <laughs> not to show you no I did not see your list no they're mirror opposites you're right I you know, you make the case, and I might after after hearing your case, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if you turn out to be right. But Garon has a little bit of a head start on Corda, and Corda probably won't stay quite as hot as he's been. So we'll see how it ends up. You know, I don't know who's who's going to end up ranked higher than the other there, but they'll, they'll be pretty close. Yeah, my take on that is I just think Sebastian Corda is a better tennis player than Marcos. He Giron. is, That's but he's younger. Marcos Giron is bad. Yeah, but I just, yeah, you know, you're right. It's it's a little bit of projection, but I just all signs point upwards. Yeah. So I'm gonna stick to Corda. All right, number nine for me. I made the other plunge. I'm gonna throw Bnac in there. Give me Brandon Nakashima at number nine. Who's your nine? My nine is Stevie Johnson, maybe ranked about ninety four. All right, I have him in the top 100, but not in my top 10. My number 10, I'm regretting it as I'm about to say it, (laughs) but I'm just a believer in him. Qualifying was a good indication. Give me Michael Michael Moe. (laughs) Michael Moe belongs at number 10. He belongs there. He belongs in the top 100. He belongs in the conversation with all of these young guys, with the Kalamazoo, you know, the 14 Kalamazoo crew. If healthy, I think he ends up back there. I think Kudla, J.J. Wolf, and Stevie Johnson all also end up in the top 100. But I think Moe ends up as the 10th highest ranked American, and I think it's right around that 85 to 92 range. Yeah. Okay, so... I only have uh, I only have ten guys in the top one hundred. My tenth is Sam Query at about ninety eight, and then I have okay. I have Nakashima just outside maybe one hundred one. I'll call it one hundred and one. He'll finish the season at one hundred one, and then I agree I like with it. you. I think there will be three guys that are going to be knocking on the door along with with Nakashima. Maybe not at one hundred one, but maybe like around one ten, one fifteen. Top one twenty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those would be uh, JJ Wolf. You know, he, he just had surgery, but he'll be back at some point. He'll, most of his ranking will be protected. He's already in the top 125. Uh, Mackey, I think, will make a push back toward the top 100. I think he'll maybe finish around 130 or so. 
one maybe 120 something like that and then i agree michael mo i see michael mo in the top 115 at the end of the year yeah that feels about right that feels about right and then again you know Mackie, sock uh all of those guys it's just a matter of the rankings going to make it really hard for them to make the sort of big jumps they need uh, to get closer to the top 100 this season but Overall, again, I will give you the final thought on this topic. You look at the state of a union for American men's tennis as we head into 2021. Now that we've talked through all of these players, buy, sell, hold. You feeling any stronger than you were at the beginning? As for American men's tennis in general right now, you could not possibly in the history of American men's tennis buy at a lower price. It is as low as... 2006? Or, sorry, 2009, maybe? Like, the Ginepri years? Those are pretty uh, bleak. Yeah, when people yeah. were like, Ryan Sweeting's the future, I was like, that's your low point. Yeah, you, you might you might be right there. But it's pretty low. I mean, you couldn't get it much yeah. lower than it is now. It is it is game stock. It is $4 a share. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it may not be $2 a share like it was in 2009, but it's $4 a share. But, yeah. but there... But there's new talent incoming. There is hope for the future. There's the Sebastian Cordes, the Martin Doms, the Brandon Nakashimas. You know, um, there's even the the 23 year old guys. What you call the the Kalamazoo crew, the the uh, 23, 24, 22 year olds. You know, Tommy Pauls and Riley Opelkas, Taylor Fritzes of the world. All of that going on. I mean, I think we have the potential to have. In three to five years' time, if we had the same podcast, there might be 15, 16, 17 Americans in the top 100, potentially. When you have that many people mm-hmm. in the top 100, a couple of them are bound to be top 20, top 10. And uh, so there is hope for the future. And so just based on that, I'm not saying that America has a Grand Slam champion in the in the stables right now or a world number one, a future world number one. They might. Uh, but they might not. But just the trajectory of U.S. men's tennis at, look, looked at as a whole. You got to buy because the, the price is so low and there's hope for the future. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Again, it's a dartboard and you throw enough darts at the board. Even if it doesn't stick in the bullseye, a.k.a. Grand Slam champion, you're going to get the occasional Masters run or the deep run at the Slam or the titles week in, week out. And there are just going to be a lot of bites at the apples, a lot of high-quality American men right now entering this 2021 season. But, of course, uh, we will focus on them throughout the course of the year and are sure to talk about them more on this podcast. So uh, that's where we stand right now. Entering the year, we are looking forward to play beginning in Australia next week. Of course, we will have you back on the show next week, Judson, to talk a little bit about the weekly review preview, uh, what we saw last week, what we can expect from a busy week on the tour next week as well. And, of course, for any of our listeners who missed last week's article, you could find it each and every week on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Uh, of course, on this podcast moving forward, we will be doing a women's edition of this as well. David Kane, former WTA digital media senior, whatever his title was, joining us to talk about the American women. And then, you know, play starts. So we'll be rocking and rolling, covering all the action as well. Be on the lookout for that. And of course, as always, a shout out to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff for the 
of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. With that in mind, Judson, any other final thoughts for our listeners? I think we've drugged the listeners on for long enough. That's the break, my friend. Oh, <laughs> I disagree. Agree to disagree, my friend. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Agree to disagree, my friend. You know, we used to do yearly State of the Union podcast with at Joe Kelly underscore tennis. My friend Jonathan Kelly, tennis you that was his tennis Twitter account, and he would come on at the end of every season. They'd be like two and a half hours, and of course, we divide them into multiple parts. But uh, one year, we recorded like a two and a half, maybe even a three-hour marathon pod, and it didn't save. Oh and my it was God. just <laughs> devastating. And I was like, Jonathan, I can't believe I'm going to ask you, but would you want to do it again? And he was like, yeah, I will do it again. And I was forever grateful to him. I am eternally grateful what a man. for Judson what a man. for uh, you joining us today. So for my wonderful co-host Judson Wall, our super producers Max Fleeger and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Midwest Sports, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Judson, what do we tell the people? That's the break, my friend. We'll see you next time. There it is. Yeah, we will see you all next time. Thank you as always, Judson. Yep, thank you. 